Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons, 1380 KLIZ, the fan streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. And uh, our special week here, Augusta, of course, and uh, uh, Chris is at Augusta and has been there this week with a whole slew of activities and uh, teaching and that kind of thing. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing well, thanks, Mac. Anytime you're in Augusta, it's good. Yeah, that's a, well, that's a true <laughs> fact, isn't it? <laughs> yes, sir. You haven't uh, spent as much time on the golf course as you'd like with uh, – but, of course, you're having some fun with groups there and getting some teaching in. and It's, yeah. it's probably not the only golf course in town, I bet, huh? No, I'll tell you, actually, right now I'm sitting at a, right next door at Augusta Country Club, which is just a fabulous spot. It's an old Donald Ross golf course. and We've got some of our clients here today. I was just over at the – spent a couple hours this morning at the tournament, and uh, this is really a neat, neat golf course. It actually butts up against uh, Augusta National, so – from the ninth green, you're right behind the 13th tee box, if people are familiar with that hole. Sure. Um, old Donald Ross golf course, and just a fabulous place. Great Thir- place to hang out when you're not at the tournament. Yeah, 13. You can see a few eagles from there, maybe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, quite a tournament. You had a fun uh, time yesterday. We, uh, uh, we had uh, George Bryan with us last year, excellent teacher, great friend of yours, and his son Wesley is quite a player. So you followed Wesley's group around yesterday. Yeah, I was able to follow, follow Wesley with George for uh, 1 through 15. I, I, I feel bad that I left him because when he uh, uh, he had just gone to 1 under on or got it back to 1 under on 15, and then he made a couple bogeys coming in. So he's at 1 over through the first round and actually just teed off for his second round. I think he was in uh, in about 47th place and right, right now, so he's 1 over. And uh, as we speak here, the projected cut is at 6 over. So... Uh, hopefully a, a good day today. I can't tell. Um, yesterday, the, the very difficult conditions. The weather was perfect, but uh, I'll tell you, the greens were extremely difficult. They were firm. Um, there was a little bit of wind, but the, the pin placements, uh, they had every pin on a ridge or, or near the edge. So it was, that's what you saw with, with Sergio making that uh, 13 on 15. He wow. Couldn't, couldn't keep it on the green. You know, he hit uh, four about four shots that looked perfect, and they all spun yeah. back in the water. Yeah, I, uh, the, the the golf gods were not with Sergio yesterday because, uh, you know, he, he really hit he, four out of those five were, um, you know, about as perfect as you could get. If he, if he was one foot further on any of them, they would all ended up, you know, hole high right yeah. back in the water. <laughs> Give us a little take on it. It's been kind of magical, at least from a distance this week, Chris, with the uh, the crowds and uh, the Tiger effect, and then uh, Gary and Jack and Tom Watson go out and uh, have a special threesome, and then magic happens in that group. It must be uh, something else there. Oh, that uh, the par three contest with with Jack and Tom Watson and Gary Player uh, was was absolutely magical. Number one, Tom Watson. Winning the par three, yeah, sixty-eight, uh, and then, <laughs> sixty-eight years old. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then uh, Jack Nuss's grandson Gary uh, making a hole in one. It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really fun. Those old the yeah, then all three of them were hitting the ball pretty well. I wonder if they had a par three contest uh, with the senior tour. I bet it would be uh, it would be pretty close if they just played eighteen par threes. Yeah, you know they do something close to that at the uh, the 3M Challenge in the Twin Cities with uh, kind of the legends of golf. And, yeah, uh, 
I, I think that's almost become more popular than the, the tournament itself. And your takeaway on the conditions of the course uh, going into today, they always uh, set the pins up different, obviously, every day. So, yeah. And uh, the morning you know, group it, and the afternoon group, uh, is there going to be any weather there today? The, the weather is perfect today. Uh, it's about 80 degrees right now. And the, um, you know, the, 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 with, you don't even have to talk about it, but because the, the golf course is always perfect. Right. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the greens look really, really firm. And the little bit of time I spent on the golf course today, they, uh, uh, there's just enough wind to dry them out. You know, they can control the environment so well with the, with the sub air system that they have. And, um, you know, I think it looked to me like the, in looking at the, the pin sheet for today, that maybe the pins were a little easier today. Uh, I think they, I think scores were maybe a little higher than they anticipated yesterday. Uh, with the exception of a few, so they had twenty guys under par, which is uh, interesting. It, well, yeah. Of course, that, the strength yeah. of the field is uh, is extraordinary this year. Yeah, it, it's it's awfully good, and um, boy, Jordan Spieth played fantastic yesterday, and uh, Rory and Phil Mickelson, and fun to see. You know, it, this tournament brings out something different with, when you got a you know a guy like DJ Singh, uh, who's you know in the top ten and. Fred Couples is he seems to first round he always seems to play well here. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. The veterans, uh, well, that course uh, they talk about the experience of playing there and knowing where to yes. where to be in position to the uh, the pin all the time, and those guys really yeah. do, and how to get yeah. to the pin. So, we should tell listeners where it's uh, Friday when we're talking. You've been there this week, and uh, we're going to uh, have our segment with Trip Bowden coming up. He's a former caddy at Augusta. He's an author. A a raconteur, as we say, so we'll be back with uh, Trip Bowden, and then we'll have Chris back on the final segment of the show. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ and streaming at Podcast One. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, and coming to uh, Podcast One and iTunes uh, very soon, so watch for that as well special guest we've had him with us before chris and uh, fun to have him back i'll let you handle the introductions yeah i want to welcome to the show trip bowden trip is uh the author of freddie and me life lessons from freddie bennett augusta national's legendary caddy master and uh most recent book all memorable rounds trip was the the first full-time white caddy at augusta national uh trip great to have you back on the show uh, it's, it's great to be back always. Y'all have like the best radio voices ever. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said I have a face for radio. <laughs> well, you both may have a face for radio. I, I don't know if I've ever met Mac uh, up close and personal, but no. I can only imagine. It's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Well, Trip, it's it's great to have you show, on you on the show, Masters Week here. Thank you. Uh, you know, you, you've got so many great uh, stories and tales about Augusta National and the Masters and the town of Augusta. But wanted to have you back on. You know, th- this has got to be a, a very special week for you. Growing up in Augusta, um, you know, it, it, Augusta is a special week anybody anyway. But for somebody from Augusta, it's it's got to be really special. Tell tell us about that. Oh wow, that's a, that's a great question. As, as your questions always are, it's uh, of course when you're when you're young. When this would be my forty first Masters, but when I was my first one at age ten, I didn't realize what all the hoopla was about. And of course, that was back when you could walk up to the front gate and get a practice round ticket, and the normal badges of Thursday through Sunday weren't as difficult as they are now. But when you look around and like in the parking lot, and you see these people from all over the world, and you're realizing they're converging 
on your town. And everybody that you could imagine was here from dignitaries to, you know, titans of industry to obviously the best golfers in the world. And Augusta back then, even though it is this way somewhat now, but it was an extremely sleepy little town. And for one week out of the year, it's, it's like Woodstock, except, you know, without all the tremendous craziness, a lot of respectfulness. But it was just like a magical time. It was like we had Disney come to us, and we were in control of it. <laughs> that makes any sense. And, and it's a wonderful time for the businesses to make their money. And, and even now, there's hotel industries and the food industry that this is kind of a make-or-break week for them. And it's a, a chance for Augusta to shine. And it's really honored to be a to be a citizen of Augusta now, and I, I've called it home for most of my life, and now I'm back home with the kids and my wonderful wife and Harry B. Holly Mack and Fletch. I got to give them proper names. Absolutely, <laughs> right? It, I've always got to do that. But with the, I guess just a week itself is it's even though, like I said, this is my 41st in a row, and it's just magical. It's like time stands still, and and when the birds are chirping, the the, the sun is shining and the grass is always green. And this year, I do believe the dogwood's going to be absolutely perfect. And the azaleas are desperately holding on to keep their blooms. Fantastic. So we're hoping that'll, that'll be the be the deal. And, and for those out there in, in uh, Radio Land, they do not pack them in ice. They do not have them <laughs> hidden in a greenhouse behind the par threes. They could if they wanted to, but that's a myth. So, so, so believe in that. We can we can debunk some other ones too, but that those are definitely myths. Yeah, the 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 years that the flowers are in bloom and perfect is absolutely magical. There, isn't it? It, it, it truly is. Now, you you will see if, if there is going to be beauty across the board. It'll be on thirteen because obviously that's a lower lying area and it's cooler down there. But there's there's been years when there's just no flowers at all, except for and a horticulturalist would know this better than I. The way the course was designed and laid out, there's something blooming on a hole every month of the year whether it's like January on number 12, which is some kind of golden bell or something like that. But it only blooms in the wintertime. So there's, there's stuff always blooming, but, yeah, it's, there's nothing quite like it when it all gets stink and, and it's just it's breathtaking. Yeah. You feel like you've died and gone to heaven or maybe even beyond. Tripp, you, you, you were the first white caddy at Augusta National. Tell, tell us about how, yeah. how that came about. Another great question. Wow. Um, well, I was a bit of a lost soul on the highway of life after graduating from college, Augusta College where I played golf, or attempted at it, on the golf team. And I uh, had a degree in English and minors in philosophy and psychology. So since I was too big of a BSer to teach, I decided I would just kind of drink beer and stare at the window. And then my dad suggested I call it Freddie, who was an old family friend, Freddie the caddy master at Augusta. And one thing led to another, and he said, why don't you come out here and caddy uh, and see what you think of it? And I'd actually done it some just in college just for the heck of it. So I said, well, you know, why not? So I went out there and I got my white uniform and my green foot joys, and my caddy ID badge, and and off I went. And it was it was people say well it was you know was it little white guy and all these African American black fellows and then I said well no it wasn't any kind of racial thing. For Freddie you were either light green or dark green like in the Marines you were still green. <laughs> so which I thought was really cool and I knew that a lot of those guys from growing up in my in the old days I would go out there during closing week or appreciation week and play golf with a pro son and, and kind of hang out so i knew a lot of the guys anyway and they just kind of accepted me as one of their own especially when i i realized there was an art to it and freddie was kind enough to put me out with uh, some of the, the best in the business guys that had won the masters before and and i learned a very very valuable lesson from freddie and also from from those guys that uh and i've mentioned this before on your show that you don't read those greens you remember them they yes. do the same thing every time and once you know that you're way ahead of the curve 
Yeah, one of my one of my friends who's a great teacher always says, you know, tour players aren't great green raiders; they're great green rememberers. That's beautiful. That's perfect. That, and that's great. And that yeah. shows why certain players, obviously the Tigers of the world, are now making a comeback. Uh, you know, winning so many times at, at different loca- at different locations or the same location, because that course is still that course, even though it's been five, six, seven years down the road. They hadn't gone up there and changed the greens. They're still the same. Yes. And the ones at the national, are, I mean, I can read them from the other side of the ropes. I can tell somebody's going to miss the putter, make it if they hit it in certain spots. And that's been a long years removed too. Right. Trip, when you first got the job and started to learn the trade, then how long before you got to caddy at the Masters? Oh wow! Well, you know, uh, oh, heartbreaking story, at least to me. <laughs> yeah. First I ever got Mac um, is I was sitting there with this bag. Uh, it was it was a, a lighter bag. I'm, I used to call them Sunday bags in the old days, but it was but it was a college bag. I want to say it was Arizona, Arizona State, and I don't recall which. And I was cleaning the clubs, and I'm in Freddie's office, and I'm looking at them, thinking these things are backwards, and they were left-handed clubs. <laughs> I think what the hell? There was no name or anything on them. They just I just remember seeing this bag with these backwards clubs, and in walks this kid with floppy hair. He's kind of tall and goofy looking, and he says, "Hi, I'm Phil." I'm sorry, but my coach is going to caddy for me. Oh, what the hell's happening? And Freddie said, <laughs> sorry, Trip." And next thing you know, this Phil kid and his, and his coach walk out with his bag, and it, of course it turned out to be Phil Mickelson, who I guess had won the U.S. Amateur or something of the sort, and that's how he got to qualify. But I didn't know who he was, and that's as close as I ever came to actually caddying in the tournament proper. Oh, okay. He, he ended so I never up, actually he, got to walk the fairways during uh, Masters Week, except as a four caddy, a.k.a. a flunky, Waving a flag, saying that one's in the ship. <laughs> right, oh, you probably can't say that on radio. Bleak. Trip, there. You know, if you read, if you read the book, there's some great Freddyisms in the book. He was a real character, and uh, oh, yeah. give, give us some of your Fred favorite Freddyisms. Mm. Boy, I got to keep it clean here. Um, <laughs> gosh, well, I tell you, one of my favorite of all time is. Uh, Freddie was was being asked, well, I'll give you a couple. Uh, one was he was being asked uh, what, what he was going to do during the summer when the course was closed by one of the caddies. And he said, uh, close your eyes. And so the caddy closed his eyes and he said, tell me what you see. And the caddy said, nothing. And he said, well, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and another beauty was uh, it was towards the end of the day. And, you know, of course, we always got paid cash money at the end of the day and and the caddies are just raising all kinds of hell in the club in the caddy house because they're ready to go home and you know get with the ladies and all that kind of good stuff. And and Freddie said, "All right, some bitches, if you don't shut up now, I ain't gonna play you." And he said, "Man, trip, it got so quiet in there, you could hear a rat peeing on cotton." <laughs> <laughs> That's quiet. That's quiet. <laughs> that is quiet. If I may. Um, I know y'all are asking me the questions, but can I tell you a, a story on myself as a caddy? Oh, yeah, please do. Uh, there was a, Well, you're a Minnesota folk. Uh, there's a place up there, I want to say it's called Bemidji. Is that yes. anywhere near y'all? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, well, my main guy, who, who I will rename, uh, rename nameless, who I will let remain nameless, uh, we come down in the wintertime with groups. He stayed for like two weeks at a time. He's from actually North Dakota, so this guy wouldn't even wear a sweater. I mean, he wasn't cold in Augusta at all. Well, they always try to get in as many holes as possible. And they had this one group that's going to be leaving early, so they had time to play nine. So we scoot up on the back nine, and there's dew on the ground. 
Now, my main guy was a, a player back in the day. He went to Yale, qualified for the U.S. Amateur, but this was back in the late 40s. He thought he was still a player, but those days were long gone. But on 11, he just happened to hit his longest drive of the day, and here's how. I would hand him his driver off a of 10 green, and I would scoot up 11 fairway where they couldn't see me, and as soon as that ball landed, I would kick the living crap out of it down the fairway. <laughs> <laughs> and if there happened to be somebody in our group that was, a, and I wasn't liking him, well, guess what? I did just the opposite. I kicked their ball the other way. <laughs> so my man always had, the member always had the best, you know, drive of the day on that hole. And always the longest drive. Well, it's early in the morning. We'd had fun the night before, and I'm not thinking too clearly. And there's dew on the ground, as I mentioned. So I'm just kicking the living crap out of this thing, not aware that I'm leaving footy prints behind me. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> as he kicks. And they get to the top of the hill, and... Of course, my main guy is looking for his ball way back there. And I said, no, no, Mr. B, I said, it's way up here. And everybody in the group's looking at me like, that's not possible. He's got the living hell out of that ball. I said, yeah, and it hit three sprinklers. I saw every one of them. <laughs> and the one guy who at the time was the CEO of McCann Erickson and later actually hired me up in New York, he is looking at my footy prints in the dew, and he looks at me, and I just go, shh. I said, uh-uh, don't say nothing. I said, I can always get you invited back if you say nothing. He said, okay. So as we're walking down the fairway later, he says, all right, well, how do I get invited back? I said, Mr. B, I'd like to thank you note, handwritten. If you don't give him one, you're not coming back. He said, really? And I said, yeah. And he wrote him a thank you note, and he always came back. And if there was somebody in our group who I didn't think was going about the Augusta way or I didn't like their attitude towards life or whatever it might be, it was rare, but there were some. I wouldn't say a word, and I never saw him again. <laughs> that, that handwritten thank you note's just a good lesson in life, don't you think? I think it's huge. <laughs> I, it, it, it actually taught me, or reaffirmed, I should say. My mom was a big thank you note writer, and it reaffirmed in my mind that how important that is. It doesn't take much. It's stamp, but thought, you know, it's, and now we're in the texting world and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and my kids are way ahead of me on that stuff, but. It just shows that, that, you, that you care. Yeah, absolutely. Like picking up the phone and saying hello to somebody versus shooting a text of how are you. Right. right, exactly. The handwritten note is way better than the text or the email. Yeah, yeah for sure. And especially now. Yeah, it goes a lot longer now. It's, it's, just, it's just rare. You're listening to our interview with author and former caddy at Augusta, Trip Bowden. We'll be back with more of our conversation on Lakes, Woods, and Irons right after this. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Now back to our interview with author and former caddy at Augusta, Trip Bowden. Trip, you've you've got a new book coming out soon. Uh, tell tell us about that. Well, actually, uh, in the publishing world, I guess it's soon because it'll be next year. And I was fortunate enough to be decently involved in, in the caddy house recipes, and also I caddied out there quite a bit. And I would cook for the caddies when we had breaks in the action. And I also was privy to some of the uh, recipes from inside the uh, the clubhouse, which is pretty tight. I won't give away much for the book, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll be recipes that you can own and make, the, make them your own, which I think is really wonderful, but I will let people know out there that the, uh, the clam chowder, which was New England clam chowder, Augusta National, which was absolutely wonderful, was actually Campbell's soup. <laughs> With, <laughs> Chef Clark was very much a meat and potatoes guy, even though he had wonderful training of German chefs and French chefs and all that. But when it came to making clam chowder, he was like, clam chowder what? So he just took some Campbell's soup. You can try this at home, dear listener. Campbell's soup, Borden's half and half, and bumblebee mint clams 
and a thing of bumblebee uh, clam juice. Mix it all up, and the beauty of what Chef Clark had was a guy named Freddie Bennett who would sneak in these black trash bags so Chef Clark could throw the cans in the black trash bags, and Freddie would throw them in the back of the station wagon to take them off the property <laughs> so no one knew. Everybody loved that homemade clam chowder, yeah. Uh, uh, it, so, yeah, and, it, oh, and Mr. Roberts would be, oh, isn't this wonderful? I told you boys it was the best week in the world. <laughs> Tripp, I, I, isn't, there, isn't there a similar story on the uh, Augusta National Pound Cake? There is, actually. There is. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll give a semi-brief version. Um, Mr. Roberts was in town with some uh, of his heavy hitters that had done a merger for him, and he was very happy for them and very pleased with the profit margin made. And he invites them to dinner after a round of golf at the National and calls Chef over and tells him what he would like for dinner with his roasted lamb, rosemary potatoes, and he wanted to close out the meal with a nice bottle of port and also his favorite uh, dessert. And Chef Clark says, well, what's that, Mr. Roberts? And he says, uh, pound cake. And Chef is like, okay, yes, sir, I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm on it. Well, of course, Chef wouldn't know nothing because he didn't know pound cake from Creamfield Donuts <laughs> cream brulee. <laughs> but he knew Kroger, which at the time was right across the street. So Chef, in the dark of night, in fully Chef's outfit with the hat and the whole bit going, he sneaks across the Kroger to the Kroger, picks up a couple of tins of Sarah Lee pound cake. Yes, Sarah Lee, like you get in grocery stores. <laughs> and if you've ever tried it, it's actually quite good. Yeah. He warms it up and presents it as Chef Clark's secret recipe, Augusta National Pound Cake. <laughs> and Mr. Roberts, seeing who he was, had never shopped for himself and wouldn't know Sarah Lee if she walked up and bit him on the ass. <laughs> so... He's dining on his pound cake and sipping his beverages, and he's bragging to his merger fellas. He said, did I not tell you? We've got the best of everything here at the Gus National. And they all agree. It was a wonderful pound cake. Nice and warm, juicy, the whole bit, buttery. So he calls Chef over, thanks him for a wonderful meal, and says, okay, Chef, just one thing. And Chef says, yes, sir, what might that be? And Mr. Robert says, I want the recipe. And Chef says, oh, yeah. Uh, I'll write on it, sir. And for the rest of the season, which runs until the third week in May, Chef decides to kind of duck Mr. Roberts. <laughs> Probably best to kind of, you know, dodge him at every chance you get. Well, after a few months of this, Mr. Roberts is kind of fed up, and he's about to head back up to New York to, you know, go back home and, and get his chef to whip up this recipe, which he does not have at the moment. So he corners Chef in the kitchen, and he says, All right, Chef, I don't know why you've been ducking me all season long, but hey, man. He doesn't say, man, of course. He says, hey, Chef, I really do need that recipe. And Chef, with nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, says, Mr. Roberts, with all due respect, sir, the pound cake is Sarah Lee. <laughs> what? Mr. Roberts, sir, the pound cake, I'm afraid it's Sarah Lee. What? Mr. Roberts, I don't know how to tell you this, but the pound cake is Sarah Lee. And Mr. Roberts says, I don't give a damn if it's Robert E. Lee. I want that recipe. <laughs> and as long as Mr. Robert was alive, with respect to him, the pound cake at Augusta National called Coba Sarah Lee. That's nice. a good story. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's still true because Mr. Roberts was long past, and so is Chef Clark, sadly. But uh, as long as he was there, that was the, that was the dessert on the menu. Barely. <laughs> Uh, that's a great, the great story and great stuff, Trip, and and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your uh, your memories of uh, the national and your caddy days. But uh, ah, sure thing, thank you. 
Absolutely. I hope, uh, hopefully I'll run into you next week in Augusta. Wonderful. How long are you down for? I'll be You're down uh, m- Monday to Monday. So. Monday to Monday. Well, yeah. if, you get a, if you get a chance uh, to come by Doc's place on Wheeler Road, I can teach you the address, but it's the annual pig bowl that's put on by the Outpost Club. Well, I, I hear that is one of the best parties of the whole week in Augusta. So It is actually the best. Yes. It kicks off the week, and it is fabulous. The best barbecue on the planet from Pocket out of Aiken, South Carolina. And it is just a wonderfully festive time full of camaraderie and friendship and golf stories that may or may not be true. And we have books for sale. We have friendships to make. It's a wonderful, magical time. Well, awesome. We'll have my invitation. We'll look, forward to, we'll look forward to seeing you and Dr. Joe. Wonderful. You'll have to whip something up out of that uh, out of that caddy's uh, cookbook for him, maybe well, too. Fried pork chop sandwiches with uh, chitlins and collard greens. <laughs> <laughs> Trip, thanks a million for taking the time. We sure do appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks y'all for having me. Always. Thanks, Trip. Trip Bowden, a great storyteller, former caddy, and uh, just uh, just love the stories, man. It's just uh, guys who can tell stories, and Trip's one of them. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Iron Special Edition with Chris Foley at Augusta. We are talking on uh, Friday in the afternoon. Day two is underway at Augusta, and uh, my understanding is Spieth has uh, stumbled out of the gate and had uh, three over after a couple holes. So we brought everybody right back into the field, which yeah, is going to be fun for it's fun for fans, but not too fun for Jordan right away. <laughs> no, I, I you know, Cash, he, he played so well yesterday, and um hopefully hopefully making that great bogey on 18 didn't take some of his momentum away boy that was a great uh, bogey yeah yeah it was fantastic a great great lesson in course management right there chris the world of golf converges there have you have you seen some Brainerd baxter folks while you're there you know i i saw i've only seen i've seen a number of twin cities people yeah uh i saw some uh some longtime guests from madden's my days there but uh that's only uh brainer people i've seen yeah yeah um, have but, you had the uh, famous sandwiches and the lemonade for dirt cheap out oh, there oh yeah I've, I've i've had my share of pimento cheese <laughs> my favorite's always the uh the classic chicken sandwich which is pretty simple it's a great uh grilled chicken breast and a nice bun and it's uh it's delicious it was fun talking to trip about the great recipes at the master so that'll be <laughs> yeah. fun you had some uh, fun uh, opportunity this week. One of the announcements that uh, uh, the Masters made is they're going to have a ladies' event there, which is really historically uh, uh, very significant. So they're going to have that before the Masters next year, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic for golf in, in general, but the women's game. And, um, you know, the heritage of Augusta National and the Masters is, is the amateur game and because Bobby Jones was a lifelong amateur and, um, you know, they've really, they, they've, they started this Asian Pacific amateur and the Latin American amateur in the last four or five years, which the winner gets an exemption into the, into the masters every year. And that's where the, that's where four of the six amateurs playing in the field this year are from. And, uh, they announced on Monday, Monday, the new chairman, Fred, Mr. Fred Ridley, uh, announced that they were going to have a ladies amateur event to be played, that the final round is going to be played at Augusta National the Saturday prior to the tournament. Uh, they'll play two rounds at Champions Gate, which is another fabulous facility in, in Augusta, and then the final round will be played uh, at Augusta Country, or I mean, excuse me, <laughs> at Augusta National. And uh, tops, the, the way they're going to invite uh, ladies is it, it's going to be the set, kind of the 75 
best ranking am, women amateur players in the world. And, uh, it'll, it will blow up the world of golf with as much coverage as it'll get for the women's game and the amateur game. New bets. Uh, a fantastic really, idea really, for that. Really neat move. And, you know, Augusta, unfortunately, has had the perception for so long of being a, you know, elitist discriminatory club. And, uh, they're really working hard to eliminate that, uh, that perception, I think. And, uh, they're really, of all the, you know, you, you, if you take the PGA of America, the USGA, the Royal and Ancient, uh, and Augusta National, those are really the four, if you want to say ruling bodies, or the four sure. biggest organizations in golf. And, and Augusta National is really at the forefront of, of growing the game and promoting the game. And uh, this drive, chip, and putt contest has been the best thing for junior golf uh, in many, many years. The excitement it's created uh, what it's done to, you know, to help promote junior golf is, is incredible. And, uh, this women, women's amateur event will do similar, I, I think. Creating excitement, Chris. You've been here a number of times, and uh, Tiger was gone for a few years. So uh, talk about his creating excitement this week. Oh, my gosh. I, it, the, the excitement's on, surrounding this tournament. It's, I, I, I think this is my 21st year here, and I've never seen the energy level that that is is here right now tiger he he didn't play very well yesterday although he he really finished strong to finish um at one over but it was amazing the number of people trying to follow him yesterday the 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 crowds they were 20 plus deep on on the ropes and surrounded the hole and it almost felt like you know it felt like half the patrons on the golf course were on the hole that tiger was on I, it was funny because the other holes felt almost empty yeah and uh <laughs> you, you could certainly the, the roars when when tiger did make a birdie uh it was like sunday so it was uh it was neat to see he got a couple of the tiger bounces from years ago too off of patrons back in toward the fairway when he, there's so many people there that nothing ever goes to, all the way through. No, that's, that's, that's the Arnie effect. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, Chris. I, uh, you, I know you've got a busy scheduler and have to run. It's uh, David Graham you got to talk to, legendary player from Australia, major champion, and a guy uh, kind of well-known for finishing second to Jack Nicklaus in a lot of major tournaments. Terrific player. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, I, I, I got to have quite a conversation with him. You know, he. One thing I didn't realize he, he's on the he's on the tournament committee for the Masters, and he is in charge of course setup, or one of the people in charge of course setup. So he sets all the tees and pins. They really go through a lot to get the the pin placements right, uh, based on weather and and green speeds and slope. And it, it was fascinating talking talking to him. But he, you know, I, I obviously knew his record as a player, uh, you know, one of the all-time greats, a yeah. PGA champion and U.S. Open champion, and like you said, finished second to Nicholas many times, but I didn't realize some of the stuff he had done in the game, including including this, and um, he actually, he, I, I had heard that he was a a great club design guy and, and kind of club repair guy, but he was a guy who, who built all of Jack Nicholas's golf clubs. He, Jack was, he was the only guy in uh, Jack trusted to build his clubs for him. Uh, so it was fascinating listening to him, how he, what they went through to, to make those golf clubs. And it would, uh, the McGregor factory was in, uh, was in Athens, Georgia, he told me. And 
he would fly in. They would basically have all the components ready for him, uh, all the forgings ready and uh, everything but the grinding, gluing the heads, putting on the grips. He was Jack Nicholson. He was the only guy he trusted to put his grips on. Wow. Uh, but he, it, it would take him a full day to build the set for him. You know, he had to, to glue the heads and he had to grind uh, grind the heads a certain way. You know, these, these forged golf clubs and to get the soles soles correct and the weighting correct. <laughs> and uh, it was fascinating to talk to him. So it was a lot of fun. You'd think when he was coming in second there, he would have loosened up the head on the driver a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Chris, are uh, you going to get a chance to get out there here before uh, before the end of the tournament now, or are you just working yeah, all the time? I'll, I'll, I'll get to spend a little bit of time Saturday and Sunday uh, out there. I, I'm, I'm looking forward. Uh, my son Michael's going to be drive up from Sea Island tonight, so I'll get to spend a little bit of time with him. And, uh, uh, you know, it's... It's always magical being here and getting to share that with him will be even more special. So fantastic! Thanks for checking in, Chris. Look forward to uh, talking to you when you're next next week's show and uh, about the about the weekend. Sounds great, Mac. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Chris. There's Chris Foley live at Augusta. Always fun to check in with Chris uh, from the grounds at Augusta. And believe me, he is very busy this week. It's tough to find just uh, ten minutes to talk to him. He's uh, teaching while he's out there and has lots of golf contacts, of course. So thanks a million to Chris for checking in. Look forward to his observations of the weekend on next week's show. We also want to thank our great guest, Trip Bowden, with his take on the lore and the good times he's had at Augusta, kind of behind-the-scenes look. That was fun. For a personalized and signed copy of Trip's two books, he's got two great books, Freddie and Me and All the Memorable Rounds. You can log on to tripbowden.com. That's Trip with two Ps. Tripbowden.com and uh, Trip, the Southern gent that he is, will uh, take care of you. He'll get a, he'll get you a signed and uh, personalized copy of the book. Again, it's Tripbowden.com. You've been listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on thirteen eighty KLIZ, our Masters Edition, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, and we're very excited to announce that the show is now available on Podcast One and iTunes. Thanks for listening.